Thanks so much for hanging out with us today for a very special episode of Beyond the Device. I'm actually filming live here in Dallas, and by live, I mean we're pre-recording this so we can edit it down for you later. Join with the fantastic Sean Angulo from Night City, excuse me, King City, uh, who had a vision about how to make uh, wireless infrastructure available for his students, and he's joined us today. Thank you so much, Sean, for making time with us. Uh, and also to my right here, Mr. Jason Claybrook from Aura Wireless, the product that made this possible as well. So. Uh, without further ado, I'll turn it over to you for an intro, Sean, then Jason, and then Sean, can you just tell us a little bit about the problem that you had and how you solved it? Well, the, the main problem we have is with King City, you know, being a school district, we look at about a 92% free or reduced lunch rate. So you're already looking at a, a very high poverty rate in the town to where people can't afford uh, decent or reliable bandwidth access. So, you know, when when COVID hit, and like a lot of districts, you know, we we got punched in the face in terms of how do we provide a internet to these kids and still allow them to do an education. So it it, it brought up a, a problem that we had been considering for a few years and brought it up front to where we needed to do something more than spending millions of dollars on hotspots that were hit or miss. Right or sometimes melting because they can't be on all the time. They're not supposed to be doing yeah. that, right? You deployed some hotspots early on? Yes, we, we jumped on board. We, we kind of saw the, uh, the writing on the wall uh, when it all first started. So we bought uh, probably, we had about 80% of our, 80, 85% of our students were covered with uh, hotspots when we first bought them. Oh, how much did that cost? Uh, <laughs> I think the, the end cost is about $1.4 million. And you feel like you got that much value out of it or? No, not even close. Not, not even close. Okay. So then, so you deploy the hotspots and then you start to see that it's not providing the value that, that you needed, especially for the students and for their remote learning. So what, what's next for you? Well, and we like we started a few years ago looking at the idea of how do we expand uh, our internet you know we don't want to be a internet service provider you know I, i'm not a firm believer school should be an isp but the idea was why can't we extend our existing network out to our students so that they can access our network from home mm -hmm. um and I brought this back up before we bought the hotspots, but with COVID or most schools or any businesses, it was we need something here and now. But as we've gone along, the idea of what we wanted to do over the years started to catch on. It started to catch on not only with the students, but also the parents and the stakeholders for the school. We've, you know, the city even started catching on. So we really started looking at how do we take the existing technology of, you know, outdoor access points, outdoor Wi-Fi, and add something new to where we can expand it out farther? You know, obviously nothing is 100% solution, but given that most schools, I mean, especially in this town, the schools have a better infrastructure than most of these people have in their individual houses. So how do we get that infrastructure to them, while also at the same time not breaking the school in terms of financial 
requirements. Gotcha. And then you were introduced to the Apogee platform, what we do for a living here at Aura Wireless. And we went through some design criteria, looking at what it was it going to take to actually start to cover. And I think what we landed on was you guys took a phased approach. First was to light up around the campuses where you have effectively landing rights. You know, you control the power, you control the rooftops or the sides of the building that you can mount stuff. And that's been deployed. How's that experience been so far? To be honest, it's been great. Uh, you know, we're still doing, uh, we did the, the installation testing and the R spectrums and everything. And those came out fantastic. Um, you know, I'm still doing real world on the ground, you know, what's it look like. But so far, I mean, part of the, the real world was, I said, you know, these first ones we put up, like you said, was phase one. They were meant for, as root nodes for connections for further phases. But, you know, we went ahead and pushed it out to some of our Chromebooks and we're seeing kids who normally, you know, around the school districts who had, or the, the school sites, who normally had just really garbage connections with the hotspots there, we're seeing them using Zoom on, you know, these connections, which is, you know, it's actually remarkable for me because when you, when we put these up, they were literally meant as a root node. And, you know, as you and I've talked, mm -hmm. anybody connecting to it was just icing on the cake. Right. So to see kids connecting to them and using them, you know, a continuous connection is, you know, that by itself is impressive, especially given the distances. I mean, I think when we did the, the walking testing for the RF side, we, on a cell phone, one of the, the guys connected, I think it was like seven or 800 feet away on the five gig side, which, I mean, typically that's unheard of for a 360 degree antenna. Right, right. So that was, there's something you said there that really caught my attention because obviously we've been talking to a lot of schools over the last year and y'all have a lot of different ways that you have to, steps you have to go through to procure equipment, to do something that's new. Um, and it's great that you've got some of these uh, federal funding programs and grants at the state level that are helping out with that. But I, I think the most important thing you said is you're now seeing even in phase one, students are attending class where they weren't attending class before. And one of, from a private industry perspective, yeah. one of my big concerns, and I know that a lot of people shared this, is what does this look like in a few years when you have this prolonged period of kids that were effectively unchaperoned through their education process. So it's really encouraging to see kids are. And that's the big thing was, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, hotspots are a solution. I, I've never considered them a great solution, but, you know, one of the things we saw is, you know, as we discussed just a little bit ago about the, you know, there are limitations to them. So you'd have kids who would, get kicked off of Zoom for low bandwidth over and over and over. And, you know, from a technology side, I mean, I'm a parent, I got three kids. Um, I can't speak for teachers. I'm not one. But for me, you know, I question what is the effectiveness of your kid getting off and on, off and on, off and on, versus I have a stable connection. 
Well, the frustration behind it, too. I mean, a lot of kids ended up not. Well, not just just the kids, the parents, because we have parents who are called who are frustrated because they're they're trying to help their kids. And it's like. How much can you honestly expect them? And, you know, when it comes to you just don't have a connection, how much can you really help them? Right. Yeah, certainly frustrating, but you're having good results. Phase one. Um, so what's next with phase yeah. two, yeah. phase two, three, 17? Yeah, I'm about to say it, it's going to be multi-phase. Um, the next phase that we're looking at is obviously uh, we're still looking at, you know, you have the issue of landing rights and power. Um, we're looking at adding a couple more root nodes to individual sites to expand the bubbles out more, you know, east and west. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also looking at, moving forward with putting some of the antennas and the access points on city owned power poles where the city, you know, the city has those landing rights. We know we can use them. Uh, that's going to be the, you know, the next direct phase. Um, the next one, you know, phase three, which obviously you know, these all can run concurrent, but we've got several businesses who are willing to play ball and basically say, you know, do what you got to do. So, you know, each phase progressively is going to get a little more difficult, but, you know, in terms of doing the whole project, it makes sense because, you know, we're using what we have now, evaluating what we get out of what we're putting in, and it, it, it changed the model. I mean, I, we've changed – when we originally did the first design, I mean, I think we're on, like, version four <laughs> Yeah, you know, since we started the original design. and. To be honest, every single time we've got more data, you know, the design's gotten more narrowed down and it looks better. And, you know, doing it in a phased approach makes sense. But, the, you know, the idea is to to get these pushed out more on, you know, the light poles, um, get some of these antennas up on top of, you know, businesses that are willing to cooperate. Um, probably the last phase, which will be interesting, will be the, the PG&E collaborative, you know, trying to use poles that PG&E owns. Um, right. I've, I've heard mixed results for people who've tried to use PG&E poles, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, th- that part will be interesting for sure. So you're seeing cooperation from the municipality, from the local business owners. They all understand the problem statement, and, you know, nobody knows when all this is going to end. It's Yeah, well, and... Yes. It's not at the end, and that was the one thing that, you know, when we took this to our stakeholders with the idea, it was originally people wanted a right now solution, and we explained to them right now solution isn't going to happen. You're, you know, if you want right now, it's the hot spots, and we know how that turned out. But what really grabbed it was that, even when COVID ends, even when the kids come back, it doesn't change the economic structure of the town in terms of what people can afford. Well, if you have a school provided internet connection where your Chromebooks automatically connect and you send those Chromebooks home with those kids or you provide them an ability to connect to that Wi-Fi, well, now you have the ability to offer extra programs. You can offer extended things, you know, tutorings or whatever, after school or during the summer. It, it, it gives us the expansion. So it's not just looking at what do we do now. It's 
what can we do in the future? And with this, if we push this out and, you know, as I tell our stakeholders is, you know, I'm, I'm working off the, the 80 of 80 rule, which is, you know, I cover 80, try to get 80% of the town covered and I get service to 80% of those covered. If we do, even if that's the max that we do, I mean, 80% of our students with the ability to have access to extra programs or online tutoring or just access to educational stuff at home, that, that's, that's a massive change in the game. So um, pre-COVID. Um, My oldest kid's about to turn 23, but when she was 15, um, my first real exposure to this was her geometry class in high school was almost 100% online. All of her coursework, she had to submit that online. I'm sure that y'all have some online tools like that for different classes. So this problem, this challenge where you had some members of the community that were underserved, um, you know, there was that digital divide, that pre-existed everything. What's happened in the last year, year and a half has just really shown a light on, on that inequity, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So. Well, and the, the other side of it is, I mean, uh, I I got my master's because I'm completely online, you know, and colleges have really started to shift towards that. Um, but it, it starts to become, why can't we do the same thing at, like, the high school level? Um, you know, you got kids who want to go beyond what they're learning. Well, if they don't have internet at home, they're, they're restricted to what the schools have. Or on the flip side of that coin is if you have a kid who needs a little more help, but there's just, you know, you only have so much time in a day at school, you know, them having that access just, like I said earlier, it's a, it's a game changer. It has the ability to, even even if you can't get that to a hundred percent of the kids, if you're able to provide, that change to even just 10. I mean, to me, 10 is, is worth it. I mean, it's better than nothing. Sure. It's significantly, significantly better than nothing. Even if it's just one kid that you're, you're giving them the extra education or the extra ability to move forward with something else or to do something else or, or anything, you know, it's worth it. Absolutely. Uh, closing comments, uh, Jason, Sean, anything to add additionally before we get out of here? Uh, from my standpoint, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to continuing with the project. You know, I, I would really looking forward to seeing what we can do with it, see how far we can take it. Awesome. I have one final question, if that's okay. Yeah. Sean, um, since you had a vision for this ahead of hotspots and the lockdowns and everything, did you have a sense for what the cost would have been to deploy a community-wide Wi-Fi like you're talking about here? And is there a delta between what we're doing now with Apogee as part of that solution? Oh, there, it, it's massive. Um, so, I mean, like I said, it was $1.4 million for hotspots in the service. Um, when we first kicked around this idea, there was a company that I approached and said, hey, this is what I would like to do. And, you know, no offense to them, but I mean, trying to do a community Wi-Fi is kind of a, a specialized thing. Um, 
but they kicked back and said, okay, well, we can put out 400 Wi-Fi access points all over town. And the cost was going to be like $3 million. With the, the Aura antenna and your guys' project and what we've been doing, I mean, right now, I mean, just based off our original design, it's massively lower, so it makes it a whole lot more attainable. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, the technology, the, what Aura did is so net new to wireless infrastructure that we're able to completely overhaul how we've done RF planning before in the past and uh, save a lot of money for a lot of organizations, uh, not just municipalities in the public sector, but also in the private sector as well. So it's, it's pretty great to see this come to fruition and I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh, phase 17 eventually, as Jason was saying at the beginning of this, uh, eventually come to fruition. So Sean Angula from King City, thank you so much for taking time uh, today to talk about this. This is a very cool project. And like I said, we can't wait to see it come to fruition. Uh, to learn more about this and many other things, please reach out to us at sales at 3ictech.com. That's sales at number 3eyetdech.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Check us out next time for another episode of Beyond the Device. We'll see you on the internet. Bye, guys.